What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. And by the way, the Chargers score on their first drive as this game is finally uh, underway. And they take a early lead on the, chi- the, the Raiders. Donald Parham Jr. with the touchdown reception there. Fascinating Laura- to watch the Raiders come out of the tunnel, George, real quick. Fascinating to watch the Chargers come out of the tunnel and hear the entire stadium booing what is theoretically the home team. Absolutely fascinating. Now, excuse me, Laura. Now you guys are good. <laughs> this is a big game. I'm okay with it. Yeah. So as you guys know, and everybody was aware, Instagram, Facebook, and WhatsApp was down for a few a uh, couple hours, and a lot of people were going mad crazy, including myself, because I am a little bit addicted to IG. But that wasn't what caught my attention, even though it annoyed me throughout the morning. It's that Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook CEO lost $7 billion because of the outage. Really? Yeah. They say why that was? I mean, because I was watching earlier today, uh, the stock market was getting yeah, all beat up. It's a stock sell-off. That's why. okay. Because mm-hmm. I saw that uh, earlier today, Facebook was down real significantly, and um, so when you say seven billion dollars in in losses, um, Facebook was down today. You ready for this? Sixteen dollars and seventy-eight cents percentage-wise. Um, I'd have to do some math here in a second, but I'm not going to be able to pull it off. But the stock is at three hundred twenty-six dollars. They were down sixteen, almost seventeen dollars today. Seventeen dollars off the stock price when you've got that kind of you know. The amount of shares he has. Wow. Seven billion, did you say? Yeah, seven billion dollars. I mean, I'm not crying for him because he's still worth a hundred and twenty billion dollars. But in a couple of weeks, I was reading on this article that he lost twenty billion dollars. Yeah, like, down five percent today. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. What did yeah, you guys I mean, do? When you're worth that kind of money, I mean, does it does it really matter? You know? I know, right? That's like when true. you're worth when you're worth like all these billions and you lose seven of them, it's like if you were worth $1,000 and you lost $7, would you really know the difference? That's Zuckerberg losing $7 billion. I mean, yeah. I, I just thought it was crazy. Like, I, I, ain't, I ain't sad for him. How about that? <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not sad for him. That's why I said I'm not shedding no tears. But that's crazy that, so, like, $7 billion because of a few hours that our social media was down. But is that is that the reason that I don't know, Cap. I'm just price... trying to make it. I'm just trying to make it seem like it's a reason. Well, it's cool that you are. <laughs> um, but it, and and listen, it hurt me today too. You know, you mentioned it. Facebook is down at one point. Um, Instagram is down, and then WhatsApp. How often do you guys use WhatsApp? My mama uses WhatsApp. Uh, regularly, I have a chat in there with some buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't use it all that often. But then occasionally, I'll find like a little red dot next to the app, and then I'll like, oh, who's trying to get a hold of me? Because I rarely use it, but. It is, a, it is a good tool to use, especially when you're traveling internationally. I know Sedano wasn't tripping because he's not, like he's mentioned, he's not a huge IG person. I'm not person, a Facebook person. And he no. definitely doesn't have Facebook. But, Cap, were you nope. losing your marbles because of all these outages on the <laughs> social network? Come on, be real, be real. <laughs> okay, so what I was losing my marbles over was I was trying to post some, some pictures. Mm-hmm. You know people call it a photo dump. You know, like you didn't post when it happened, but then you get home after the fact and then you just start putting pictures out. I photo dumped today on Instagram a bunch of pictures from the Pearl Jam concerts this past weekend. I also, by the way, on Friday night, put out like seven or eight videos of Pearl Jam thinking, wow, people are going to be all over this. They're going to think it's really cool. I got like no views on these videos at all. 
but I posted pictures today of me and my girlfriend and some people we ran into, and that gets like hundreds of likes right away. But um, I was having a hard time posting on Instagram, and I didn't know what was wrong. Um, Facebook, I can, I still like Facebook. Facebook is on my list of things that I check every day. Mm. You guys all ridicule me for it, but yep. I still like Facebook. And WhatsApp, I can live without WhatsApp, no problem. Mm. Lindsay? I mean, I, I don't I don't use WhatsApp at all. I've never used it. I don't even know like what it is or what it's for. I just it's know it's just like a like, texting um, app. Messaging. It, it, it's just like a messaging app. Mm-hmm. For people you don't want to have your phone number, maybe? No, no, it's not one of those. It's oh. just like... A, yeah. <laughs> well, why would you just not use Messenger, messenger then? Um, well, some people don't... Like, I mean, there are, I guess, people that still have text message and data limits. You yeah. Know? So my mom uses it for, I mean, she doesn't have it, but because she communicates with people in, in Mexico, it doesn't. International kill stuff yeah. is very right. easy. Right. Yeah, oh, sure. internet. Okay. Okay. Then I get it. I'm not positive of this, but I think there's also some kind of what I would call a higher level of security on WhatsApp. There is. It's encrypted. There you go. That's what I meant. It's like Discord. That's how we cheat. Ooh, I didn't say that. Let me dump that. Hold up. <laughs> did you really just dump that? Yes, I did. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, like, I'm not trying to get caught up. Just saying. Mm. With school, you know? I can. I could live without Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp for a couple hours. If you told me it was down for a lot longer than that, I'd be like, yo, please, prioritize. Get Instagram back up first. Get Facebook up thereafter. And then WhatsApp, let me know when that's back. But I don't really use it that much. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I use WhatsApp, but, I mean, whatever. It didn't, didn't affect me in any way. Um, all right. That is what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Cap, you and I were talking about Clayton Kershaw heading into the weekend. And we were talking about, that's hey, man, crazy. this could be the last time he's in a Dodger uniform. Yeah. Um, you know? And then, unfortunately, he gets hurt. George, it was crazy. Friday night. We're getting ready to get off the air. And the conversation is, what would you do with Clayton Kershaw? Right. You know, and we, the thing we were talking about was, you know, if you're Kershaw, would you take less money to stay with your franchise? You know, and um, if you're the Dodgers, if you look at Clayton Kershaw, at least as it was on Friday, he's really, at that time, he's your number four starter. And, you know, come Wednesday, when the Dodgers take on St. Louis in this one-game wild card, Max Scherzer, who they went out and got, he's your number one guy. Not Walker Bueller, not Julio Urias. It's, it's the guy you went out and got at the trade deadline, and it's certainly not Kershaw. Little did we know on Friday afternoon as we're having this conversation, what would you do with Kershaw? How much would you pay him? What would it take to bring him back? What will he want to do? All these unknowns. And then Friday night, he goes out to pitch. He's like two innings in. He's nearly 50 pitches in. And the next thing you know, the trainer and Dave Roberts are out at the mound. And Kershaw, this was really interesting to me, George. Kershaw walks off the mound, but he's holding the baseball. Because usually a starting pitcher will give the manager the ball. Here you go, Skip. Next guy. Let's go. He walks off the mound holding the baseball. So for as much as you and I were talking about, this could be the last time Clayton Kershaw starts a game wearing a Dodgers uniform in Dodger Stadium. As he leaves the game, he realizes this isn't just about free agency. This is about my health. And given what's going on this year and how long I've been out and how, how I've come back late in the season and I'm hurt already again, he walked off holding that baseball, George, like 
this could be it for me. And I want to make sure I have this memento from this game. It was, um, if you're a Dodger fan, and even if you're just somebody who respects Kershaw, you don't have to be like hardcore. That was, it was emotional, wasn't it? Or was it just me? Because I'm getting old and mushy. It, it did feel uh, ominous is the way I would say it. Yeah. So now go back to the question that we were asking on Friday. The question was, would you re-sign Clayton Kershaw? That was before he got hurt again. Throw it to you again, George. What would you do about Clayton Kershaw if you were the Dodgers, given what happened on Friday? I would not re-sign him to a big deal, clearly, at this point. He can't stay healthy. Remember on Friday, I'm the guy that was saying, you sign him, you respect him, even if he's your number four starter, he's your guy, he's been the face of your franchise, been the clubhouse leader. That's everything I was saying on Friday. On Monday, here's what I got to say. It's over. The relationship between Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers should, unfortunately, for both parties, it should be over. Because if you're the Dodgers, you're like, look, we love the guy. He helped us win a World Series. He helped us win eight straight division titles. He helped us get to the playoffs this year, even though he wasn't available from right before the All-Star break till the very end of the season. But you know what? He's done. And, and he may not be done, but we can't pay him at $30 million. Why should we pay him $17 million? I mean, if, if I'm the Dodgers, as sad as it is to say, based on what happened Friday night, I'm ready to end the relationship. Just based on that, you wouldn't even lowball him and say, "Hey, Kirsch, we're willing to give you, you know, a one-year deal for like ten million or something like that." I mean, you know, ten million for a pitcher is not a lot. I concur, and I would love to see him back. But I, I guess my the as I watched it, I thought to myself, "Oh my goodness!" Here we were having this conversation, and I was so you know pumping the, the idea of you pay him, and you actually brought up a guy like Madison Baumgartner, and you said, "Okay, use him." As, as sort of the level. And I think yeah. you said he was making like $17 million, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're Kershaw and you're making $30 million and you're the Dodgers and you say, hey, look, why don't we take you down to $17 million? If you're Kershaw, you go, okay, I get it. But now, given the injury that happened before the All-Star break and the fact that he will not be available during the postseason, according to all the reports out of the Dodgers clubhouse, at this point, I, I'd have to make the very, very tough move of saying, you know what? I think we're done. I think we're done in the Clayton Kershaw business. Now, I may be wrong. They may give him a one-year deal, and maybe he does take a nice discount, and maybe he does come back next year and he's healthy and he overperforms the money. But I I thought Friday was – I was like, whoa, I can't believe what we're watching here right now. It was pretty emotional stuff. Yeah, I felt really bad for him because that's certainly not the way you want it to end. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if that is the last way, the last game for him – that's not how you want it to end. You right. want to end like that you go out on your own terms. Now, very few athletes are able to do that. And maybe we're jumping the gun here. But it, it just didn't feel right when you saw it. And I was like, oh, boy. You know, an inning and a third or whatever it was. I'm like, that. that's that's not good. Um, so the Dodgers season, albeit 106 wins, albeit getting through injuries, including plenty of Clayton Kershaw's injuries and some struggles and whatnot, continues to get more challenging, right? Like, even if they get beyond the the wild card game, which I think they will, then you're facing the Giants, and you're going to have to rely heavily on your three guys, right? Scherzer, uh, Urias, and, um, and, and Walker Bueller. Yeah. yeah. Well, George, I- again, interesting. On Friday, a lot of confidence going into the weekend. 
And, you know, will they still have a chance? And, you know, as it turns out, with San Diego beating San Francisco on Saturday, the Dodgers went into Sunday's game one game back of San Francisco with one game to go. And it would have required the Dodgers to win, which they did, and it would have required San Diego to beat San Francisco, which they did not do. So the Dodgers wind up coming in second place, even though they had this incredible record. But the thing I'd be most worried about today as a Dodger fan is this. It's not even Kershaw. Now it's Max Muncie. What happened in this game yesterday where he goes to try and you know get the runner out at first base, gets his arm twisted, he's immediately down in agonizing pain. And according to Dave Roberts, not only will Muncie be unavailable on Wednesday right. for the wild card game, yeah. but they say he's not going to be available for the next round either. And that doesn't sound promising right. for the remainder of the postseason. It, so the it, Muncie it, situation's a big deal. It's starting to feel like they're a little snake bitten, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you get Kershaw back and you think you're just tuning him up. And who thinks that on a routine play to first, Muncie's going to get injured that bad? Right. Yeah. Now you got a whole question, which is who's going to play first base? Yeah, I, I think that maybe you put Bellinger there. I, I mean, we'll see. We could tackle that a little further on the other side. Plus, um, I want to get into how, you know, how, you know, not only the Dodgers sneak bitten, but the whole Pac 12 may be in that situation. We'll touch on that in a moment. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You know, it's funny. I do like a cinnamon bun occasionally, but I don't. it's not a go-to. It's not a dessert staple for me. But I, mm -hmm. I don't dislike it. it. You know, if it's offered, you know, I will have one. Um, you know, just not a regular thing for me. My problem is, is that if you give me one of those cinnamon buns and I have like a little tiny bit of it, once I have a little bit, that's it. I, I, I have no discipline thereafter. I, I can't stop. <laughs> so know? the kids love cinnamon buns and rolls and all that stuff. So my wife makes them, you know, you just buy them at the grocery store, right? Like you can just like you pop up in the can and you can just kind of put them in the oven or whatever. Yeah. Um, and when they sit on the, this is what happens. So the kids each want one. They don't really eat more than, you know, a few bites. And then, you know, we end up tossing or whatever. But there's usually, they come four in a pack. So there's at least two more there. Right. And it's like, God bless. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, this is the thing. I, ha I lost a ton of weight, as we talked about during the pandemic. I have mostly kept it off. I've put probably back, out of the 15 I lost, maybe like three to five back, give or take on how much I had to drink on a given weekend. But, um... But the, the thing I can't avoid in this house is sweets because the kids always, I mean, it, you know, I mean, they're kids, of course. Why wouldn't? Like, I, I, when I was that age, all I wanted was sweets. So it's just like I can't avoid the sweets. There's always cake or cupcakes or cinnamon buns or whatever. There's something going on in the house. Yeah, that's, it's tough when your kids are little, George. I remember when my, mine were little, we'd go to a restaurant and some kid, you know, one of four would order, maybe it was all four, chicken fingers and french fries. Right? Yeah. And then there's always lots of leftovers on the table. Unless I'm around, because I'll eat every chicken finger and every yeah. French fry I love on a everybody's chicken finger. plate. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love a chicken finger. It's a problem. It's a big problem. Yeah. I'm it with is. you. So I stopped doing that because that's 
That's the problem. You can't be eating the kids' stuff. Like, because if you do, you're in trouble. Yep, that's true. So, speaking of the kids, by the way, uh, Rocky Start, okay, I would say it's kind of like if, if we're going to equate it to a football game, you know, first drive, right, uh, did not go as planned, right? And uh, then eventually I settled into the game, the speed, I caught up to the speed of the game, and uh, I was able to take control and, uh, you know, dominate the game. Kind of like the Chiefs this weekend against the Eagles. Well, speaking of dominating, let me just tell you, I, as much as the uh, broadcast tonight on ESPN, the Monday Night Football broadcast, is talking about how the Raider fans have overtaken the Charger fans, yeah. we're only into the first quarter here. There's 3.30 to go. The Chargers have over 100 yards on offense. The Raiders have minus one. So right. the way minus things are going. Minus five now. Yeah, the way things are going right now, um, sounds like there's going to be a lot of very unhappy Raider fans leaving SoFi Stadium. But, again, it's still early. It's a 7 nothing Charger lead over the Raiders. There's three minutes to play, and the Raiders just actually got a big sack on Justin Herbert. But, yeah, I mean, the start of this game has been all San Diego. Chargers minus three. That was my big big play that's left on the board from our uh, picks against the spread. So you picked the Raiders, I presume, right? I in did. that contest? I did. I did. Yeah. I mean, whether or not I really thought they were going to win was No, you're just going to pick against the Chargers every week. Correct. That's yeah. right. Okay, that's fair. I mean, if that's your strategy, I mean, that's fine. You know? People well, have had like different strategies week. for this. Yeah, my, my strategies are when the Chargers lose, they're ranked number 32 in my power rankings. Yes. And when the Chargers win, whoever they beat, is ranked number 32 in my power rankings. Yeah. You took a lot of grief for the Chiefs, though, being 32 because they lost to the, the Chargers. Yeah, I did take a lot of grief over that. But I also took a lot of grief the week before when the Chargers had lost to the Cowboys and I ranked the Chargers as 32. So, I mean, look, you everybody will catch up to the strategy. You know, <laughs> everybody will catch up to the strategy. But for those that aren't caught up, yeah, they get butthurt real quick yeah. and easy. L Laura, what did you just say in my ear? when doesn't he take grief I mean, that is fair when don't you take grief i mean you know whether it's at home With you know it's kids? rachel giving you grief uh although deservedly so uh the although, kids giving you giving you grief so deservedly so you know us giving you grief though not so deservedly so like sometimes we're just being gratuitous here um and but but generally yeah everyone gives you kind of grief i Kaplan. got a lot of props this weekend though from my girlfriend and her girlfriend. Nice. Yeah. So, so we, we went to Doheny State Beach. I mentioned this to yeah. you that we went to go see Pearl Jam at the Ohana yes. Festival mm -hmm. Friday and Saturday night, right? So Sunday afternoon, we're kind of hanging out by the pool. I'm not engaged with anything that they're doing at all because I am um, watching Red Zone on my cell phone, right? So it's about like 12 o'clock in the afternoon and our checkout time is 1 o'clock. And I say to the ladies, I say, look, girls, you stay here and enjoy the pool. I'm going to go back to the hotel room, and I'm going to start making, making it so that it's easy for us to get out of here. I go back to the hotel room, George. We had two hotel rooms side by side with an adjoining door. By the time they got back, everything other than their clothing was packed. Any vodka we had, tequila, groceries, mm. anything was all packed. And I had the guy, the, the bell captain, who showed up. He pulled it all. I had called down to, um, to the valet. I got the cars pulled up. So... These girls were like blown away because they were like, you just made it so easy for us to get out of here and be on time. So believe it or not, for all the grief I've been catching, for my chewing, for my breathing, for the stuff I say on the radio, <laughs> for the stuff I tweet, etc. I finally, George, got some props this past I love weekend. It. Good for you. We love you, Cap. Now I yeah, have a question. Mad love. Mad love. Yeah. Is this the girl, because I remember you talked about your 
Rachel's girlfriend had a boyfriend that you didn't really like because you liked being the only guy between the crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, this really, the same yeah. friend? Same, not the same friend, different oh, okay. friend, completely single friend. Put it That's this way. What, there it is. That, I, I like, like to show up with Rachel and her girlfriend. Her, her girlfriend's name is Lynn because she's a smoke show. And it's like I walk in with these two smoking hot chicks and it's like, who's this guy? What's his deal? I mean, mm. he's not a good looking guy. I mean, really? You know, he doesn't, does he have a lot of money? Doesn't look like it. You know, I mean, just what's his deal? And I just, I walk in with two hot chicks and people look at me like, what's going on there with those three? And I like that. I know you do. That's why I'm like, she didn't bring no man. You just brought no. them too. No, no, that's right. That's <laughs> okay. right. Did you guys see, by the way, the Chargers tried to fake a punt. George, you see that? Uh, I did not. I must have missed it. Sorry. And the Chargers got down to fourth down and they decided to try and fake the punt. The Raider punt returner came up and put a stick on the Charger receiver, and the Raiders got the ball back. But immediately, this Raiders offensive line is having a real headache with this Charger defensive line, and the Raiders haven't been able to do anything so far. Their first two drives have both been three and out, and Derek Carr has been under major pressure from the get-go in this game tonight. Wow. Um, that's fascinating because, he look, I've been watching Derek Carr during this season, and it feels like he's in complete command and complete control. And to your point tonight, it has not been the case. But this Charger team is better than you give them credit for, Kaplan. Well, they're they're actually, they're, all, they're always kind of good. You know, like they have talent. Um, they've acquired a lot of talent through the draft. They've gone out and gotten a lot of help this year on the offensive line through free agency. They've cultivated some of their own talent. I mean, listen, they had a first-round draft choice running back. They let him go via free agency, and they have an undrafted guy who is their number one running back. So they've done a good job of, of cultivating talent, acquiring talent, drafting talent, et cetera. Um, but, you know, I can't really look at them um, analytically. I only look at them emotionally. Yes. And, and all my emotion is hatred. You understand? Yes, I understand clearly. Uh, all right. We never got to the Pac-12. Um, let's do that in the last segment, okay? Pac-12, you know, we we're talking about the Dodgers maybe being snake-bitten. The Pac-12 could be snake-bitten for sure. And maybe the Rams on the flip side weren't snake-bitten, Cap, but maybe they were just a little too high on themselves. So we'll tackle that, pun intended, in the last segment. But coming up next is, of course, everyone's favorite segment here in the 6 o'clock hour, Big deal or no deal? That's coming up in less than three minutes. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. Speaking of big deals, big deal for you to call the right attorney when you're injured in an accident. Call my friends at Sam and Ash Injury Law at 800-304-2000. That's 800-304-2000 because you deserve what's right. All right, Linz, what's right? All right. So I am going to start big deal or no deal off today with a great line from the L.A. Times. It was uh, Mike DiGiovanna who wrote this. All right, he says, The hottest team in baseball, one that has won 19 of 21 games entering Sunday, is not the opponent anyone wants to face in a playoff elimination game. But, here's the kicker, these are the cards the Dodgers have been dealt. Uh, Get it, cards, Cardinals? So anyway, the Dodgers are going to host St. Louis in Wednesday's NL wildcard game. And the Cardinals have one of the best relievers in baseball, one of the hottest hitters. Their defense is top-notch. They have a solidified rotation, among many other things. Is this all a big deal or no deal for the Dodgers as far as Wednesday's concerned? Who do you want to go first? I'll jump right in. I'll jump right in. I think it's it's a really big deal. Look, I know last week, George and I, we kind of joked around and battled back and forth and – you know, he's very confident. Hey, you know, as long as you got Scherzer, you're going to win the game. And I see this as not like some little threat. It's a one-game deal. And any team can beat any team for one game. And St. Louis was so hot to finish the season. So I'm, I'm really concerned that the Dodgers, you know, look, you lose Kershaw. And even though he wasn't going to pitch, it's an energy thing. And then the bigger thing is you lose Muncie. And that is a major loss to this team defensively and more importantly with his bat so i mean listen maybe you you start albert Pujols at first base and you say you know what he's experienced he's played against these guys um you know he's been in these kinds of situations but it's a really big deal uh it is a big deal i don't think there's any question about that but yeah maybe Pujols gets the start right how well oh, i mean what kind of like irony would that be right yeah. like and even you know i think it's actually a little bit of both it's uh, some irony um, that he would be playing in, with the Dodgers in the playoffs against the Cardinals. And also, um, I think it would be kind of cool um, on the uh, on the flip side, right, that he'd be playing the, the Cardinals. So there's a sense of both uh, emotions there. Bellinger, though, has been a pretty good first baseman at times in his career. And if you want to get him in the lineup and you're feeling confident about the way he's he's perhaps coming around and the new batting stance and all that stuff, maybe you get it in there. Nonetheless, I don't want to have to go too deep into that. It is a huge deal. Uh, One-game sample, one-game playoff is always a huge deal. That's going to be a great one of those great storylines that we in the media just love if, like, Albert Pujols does anything at all against the Cardinals. Everyone's just going to be like, oh, dang it, we shouldn't have let him go. I just think it'll be very interesting to see how that all works out. Well, I mean, to right, George's but point, point though, against against the Cardinals, I mean, to, it could, if Albert Pujols is impactful, by the way, I saw a poll today. If he today does anything, on, anything right. at all. I saw a poll today on Dodger Blue, one of my favorite websites when I look for Dodger content. Who should start at first base with Max Muncie, Max Muncie injured? And right now, 27% say platoon, base it on matchup. Um, thereafter, people say Cody Bellinger at 26%, Pujols at 23 So... Um, right now, everybody is voting on behalf of, you know, let's see who the matchup is and, and we'll make decisions based on that. Yeah, we got to do like the, the splits with Wainwright, get all super geeky into it. But okay, on to the next one. All right, so a new study by Bonus Finder attempted to figure out 
who the worst owners in the NFL are. And it's hard to argue with the names at the top and probably even the bottom of the list. Among the categories making up the rankings were stadium facilities, Super Bowl wins, stadium relocations, salary cap spent, and regular season wins. So using that criteria, the best owners in the NFL are, I'll give you the top three, the Rooney family's number one, the Steelers. Number two is the Packers. You know, the Packers, Inc., I guess they're called, is a collective. And number three is Robert Kraft of the Patriots. Um, and as far as L.A. is concerned, number 28 on that list is Carol and Mark Davis of the Raiders. And then 29 is Amy Adams Strunk of the Titans. And then, oh, 27 would be the Chargers. I didn't mean to put the Titans in there, by the way. Uh, are these two... Are these two California-ish, you know, we, we still call the Raiders the California team, being so low, considered the, some of the worst owners in the NFL? Is this a big deal or no deal to Donna? Um, I think it's no deal. I mean, does anyone really think that Stan Kroenke's a bad owner? Like, he's got deep pockets. This Rams team is spending. It's trading. It's doing whatever it wants to do. Like, I mean, you can make the case – for the Chargers owners. Wait, because... yeah, it's Chargers and Chargers and Raiders, not Rams. Rams oh, gotcha, off. gotcha, gotcha. Oh, well, I mean, then it, it's it's no deal still. But um, mostly because I don't think anyone thinks of Mark Davis as some sort of competent owner yet. Like, he's still got a lot to prove. And certainly the Spanos family has its history of, you know, messing this thing up, right? So uh, no deal for me. I'm going to say it's a big deal, but I'm going to also say that it's not surprising. You know, look. Here's the thing about Mark Davis. We can all ridicule him for his choice of wardrobe or his haircut. But let me tell you something about Mark Davis. He outsmarted- hey, I like his haircut, okay? I understand. <laughs> I, I will tell you, Mark Davis outsmarted a lot of people. When the Chargers and the Raiders were discussing possibly moving in together in Carson, and when the NFL said that's not happening, and the NFL awarded the Rams L.A., and they gave the Chargers the option, the Chargers took L.A. so the Raiders wouldn't take L.A. While that's happening, Mark Davis outsmarted everybody by finding Vegas, um, getting the NFL to agree to go to Vegas, and then getting the state of Nevada and the Bank of America to build him a stadium that he didn't have to put any money into. He had the team. They had the money. Peanut butter and jelly happened. Mark Davis outsmarted a lot of people. Dean Spanos, on the other hand, that is not a shock. Dean Spanos is a terrible owner, has always been a terrible owner, and while he has a good team that looks really good on national TV right now, they will find a way to screw this season up. They always do. On to the next one. All right, last one here for you guys. As I know that you mentioned last segment, you want to get to the Pac-12 disaster. So I'll end with a Pac-12-related question here. So okay. Oregon was upset 31-24 to in overtime at mediocre Stanford on Saturday, dropping the Ducks from number three to number eight in the AP Top 25, which that's not even that big of a drop right. now that I, I think of it. Yeah. But – they're now the second favorites to win the Pac-12 title behind Arizona State, according to Caesar's Sportsbook. Oregon is also now plus 5,000 long shots to win the national championship, and for what it's worth, ESPN's all-state playoff predictor now gives Oregon just a 5% chance of making the playoff. The problem for Coach Mario Cristobal's team is that not a single-ranked opponent remains on the regular season schedule, but you know if they end up in the Pac-12 championship game with Arizona State, they could be ranked, so... It could end up that way. Is Oregon's loss to Stanford a big deal or no deal, Kaplan? It's a monster deal. It's an absolutely huge deal. And listen, we'll talk more about this coming up in the next segment. 
But the Pac-12 needs somebody else other than Oregon and other than USC. The Pac-12 needs these other schools like Arizona State to be good because the problem is, is that I told you this weeks ago, USC schedule stinks. And remember, Notre Dame lost to Cincinnati this week. So that makes Notre Dame fall down the, the polls as well. USC had nowhere to make it up the early season loss to Stanford because the schedule's weak because the Pac-12 is weak. So, yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, it is a big deal for the aforementioned reasons. And also, personally, uh, I had a uh, pitch on the table that was uh, likely to get approved here in the next couple of days that probably will not get approved now about a uh, sit-down and a feature with Mario Cristobal to talk about uh, the Pac-12 and his career and all that stuff. So that's not going to happen anymore, is my guess. So, personally, I'm also annoyed. Story killers. Dang it. Yeah. That's the Thanks, worst. Stanford. For nothing. Yeah. You and your tree. Ramona, stupid team. Yeah. You and a tree. You and your tree, Stanford. By the way, if any of my kids want to go to Stanford, I'd happily send them, by the way. <laughs> right. right. As a matter of fact, on the other hand, hey, if you're Stanford, would you please, I'm begging you, take my kids. Yeah. Please. Let I mean, it's in. a long ways away, so we'll see. I know. But, you know. My kid's a really good rower, even though she doesn't row, but she's really good. Please let her in. Hey, I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, that is Big Deal No Deal each and every day at 6.30 here on the show. Let's get into the Pac-12 a little further. Let's also get into the Rams and how this loss could be a seminal moment in their season, even though it's early. Uh, I do think that there is a fork in the road, let's call it. So we'll get into that on the other side. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Did Sliwa really like Brenda? Yeah, he's shocked us all. He would say that. What a Brenda was selection. annoying. Mm. She was so annoying. I mean, Slee doesn't know a lot of things, so I feel like maybe he just gave a name. Like, Googled <laughs> well, it and just gave a name. good that he pulled that out. Brenda. I feel like Donna is the the better known name, right? Which one was Donna? Tori Spelling. That was her name on the show, Donna? Yeah, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it was. You're like making me second guess myself here. Well, what was the one? What was the other blonde's name on 90210? What was her name? Kelly? Yeah, the one who was uh, Chris, Christina, was it Christina Applegate that played her? No, no not Christina Applegate. No, Jenny um, Garth. Oh, Jenny Garth. Jenny Garth, Garth. Yes. yes. Where did that You're come right, from? Yes. Where the hell did that come from? Yeah, good pull, nice pull. I don't know. Yeah. What was the Cap, girl's I'm name who, was, who came later in the show? And she was like the hottest, sexiest one of them all. And you're like, this girl's supposed to be 17? I mean, what was her name? Gosh, oh, the older one. Um it wasn't Angela, was she it? She lived with the Walshes. Because remember, wasn't she like a friend of theirs from Minnesota or wherever they came from? Oh, yeah. Um, God, what was the What name? was her name in real life, too? Because she was, gosh. Anyway, whatever. 90210. Loved that show. Yeah, I, I don't remember. The, it was um, Jason Priestley, Shannon Doherty. What was the name of the other girl? Um, was it that, uh, God, what was her name? I'm looking it up. So yeah, it's going to bother me. Too. Now I need to know. It's going to bother me. She's wearing glasses, too. right? She was wearing glasses in the show, right? Mm, I mean, she was very. Um, hmm, how shall I say this? Um, let's see. What's her name? Tori Spelling's character. Try not to say something, what? 
She was creepy. very, um, she, she had a lot, she, yeah, she had giant boobs. I mean, that's what she had. But she was like nerdy and had glasses, right? No, that's not who he's talking about. No. Tiffany Amber Thiessen? No, oh, no, no. But that was way later in the yeah, show. Yeah, that was right, like Valerie. the last season. Yeah, Valerie. Yeah, that wasn't, she wasn't No, really she was on from 1994 to 1998. She was on like four or five seasons. Okay. I only know that because I'm looking. Yeah, but it it's was so so long ago. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah I don't remember. I, I didn't think she was that big a part of the show. Oh, yeah. She became a big part of the show. Mm. Wow. Oh, well. Anyway. All right. 90210. There you go. Um, so USC, we were talking about the Pac-12 real quick. Yeah. Um, It really is. The whole thing is just a, a disaster right now. Oregon losing ruins any credibility, as we pointed out earlier, with just the rest of the country. Now, mm -hmm. Oregon will still recruit better than anyone, but you got to get these wins. This is why USC being good is so important for the West Coast. Forget about just the Pac-12. For any West Coast team. Right. Because nobody out here gets taken seriously because of the way the SEC takes themselves so seriously. You know, like it's basically going to be two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams. And a season that looked promising, at least through three or four weeks, where, hey, we may be able to get a bunch of different teams from different regions of the country involved in the playoff this year. Now, there goes that fart right. noises because it's going to be two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams very yep. likely. It would seem like it because even a school like Clemson, who represents the ACC, has fallen They're done this, this year. year. They're done. Yep. But let me just say this, George. You ready? L listen, I understand that Clay Helton was not long for the SC job. Are you really going to make the case for Clay Helton again? Here's the only thing. I'm not even making the case for Helton. The case I'm making is that USC was reactionary, and they shouldn't have been. They should have been more thoughtful. Here's why. You lose to Stanford, and you would think that they lost to Appalachian State. You know, Stanford's a quality program, and Stanford has now proven that they're a quality program with wins over USC, UCLA, and now Oregon. USC fired their head coach and, and put their program in shambles because of a reaction to a loss against Stanford. Stanford has gone out and shown everybody they can play ball this year. So, look, USC's a, a nightmare. It's a, it, the whole thing's a mess. Beating Colorado, even at Colorado, does nothing for you. UCLA losing to Arizona State. Remember when UCLA beat LSU and the columns in the LA Times were, jump on the bandwagon, these guys are for real, they're going to take over the town, and they've fallen apart. And by the way, just so you know, um, UCLA lost to Fresno State. We all understand that. Fresno State this past weekend lost to Hawaii. Yeah. UCLA beat Hawaii in week one when that was their Yo, but let game. me tell you something. Going to Hawaii is not easy. In I concur. Like, concur. Yeah. Been there, done that. Okay? Um, and, and look, I'm just saying that you know what the best thing that happened this weekend is that Arizona State beat UCLA handily. Because one thing the Pac-12 needs, yes, they need USC, Georgia, right? Yes, they need Oregon because they've got the flashy uniforms and the Nike money, and they've been a good program. But you know what this, this conference needs? Is they need Arizona State, Arizona, Washington, Washington They need all State. of them to be good. They yeah. need those teams to help because it can't just be about USC and Oregon. You but here's what happens, help. Cap. Here's what happens. When you have that, right? Then all of a sudden, what happens is you have people saying, oh, the conference isn't that good. It's just mediocre. Meanwhile, if the SEC did that outside of – because that's what happens outside of Alabama and Georgia, basically, in the SEC. They beat each other up. Same thing in the Big Ten um, outside of Ohio State. 
and they all say, oh, such a great conference. The, the Pac-12 doesn't get that kind of uh, respect. So because of that, they need to dominate in their out-of-conference games. And they don't do that either. Right. And, and here's the other part of it. If you're USC and you didn't have Washington, who you thought was going to be good before the season, they've proven not to be, and you don't have Oregon on your schedule, and Oregon obviously was just upset by Stanford, what do you have remaining on the schedule? Let me tell you what you have if you're USC. You have Notre Dame who just lost this past weekend at home to Cincinnati, and you have UCLA, which has now been bounced from the top 25. So you know what USC has the remainder of the way? Not one. Not one ranked opponent. And that is because the conference has has been let down because nobody else is ever any good other than USC or Oregon. Rarely on occasion, it might be Washington. Sorry, DeMarco, I know you're listening in this, this afternoon. Maybe it's Washington. It's never Washington State. It's no longer Arizona. Maybe Arizona State with Herm Edwards can get to something. But that's the problem. You need to have four or five schools in the Pac-12 all nationally ranked. And now they have, you know, they got Oregon who fell from three to eight. Nobody's going to take this conference seriously. No, but you got to dominate. You got to dominate. Here's the thing. A conference only gets taken seriously now in college football when you when you have one team that dominates like a Clemson normally, right? Or Alabama or Ohio State. And then the other teams show out out of conference and have good seasons, strong seasons in conference. So what you need is an elite and then you need to have like two or three teams beyond that that people are like, "Yo, the, you know, those teams can beat almost anybody." And if you don't have that, and, and the Pac-12 doesn't because it feels like every team goes 500 almost in the conference, then this is the problem you have. You, they, you, you call it mediocre. Let me ask you this. If I told you that USC was going to play Cincinnati, who would you think has better players? Oh, USC has better talent than them. you got to think so, right? Right. Can you imagine Cincinnati? They might you, win. Cincinnati you, might win in that well, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Do, do you know what conference Cincinnati plays in? They play in the AAC, if I recall correctly. Very, very good. Yeah. I'm going to guess this. Everybody listening was like, uh, uh, the Mac? Like, the AAC, who are they? I mean, the AAC, compared to the Pac-12, might as well be Division Three college football in terms of name brands. And yet, the AAC has Cincinnati – and the Pac-12 doesn't have one team ranked ahead of Cincinnati. Not Ohio State. Cincinnati. Yeah. But Cincinnati's good now. Like, they, they're they, this independent team. We've had those. You remember, we had Boise for a while, right? Like, there's always UCF a couple year, the last couple years. Mm -hmm. There's always one of these non-group of five uh, teams that is legitimately good. And, and this is where we're at right now. They, they're this team. And by the way, BYU is in that discussion now. They're also an independent. So that, that's the problem is that you have a couple of these teams. Now, Cincinnati's doing this thing where they're scheduling everybody they can, which is awesome because there's still plenty of guys in Ohio, uh, I'm sure, that are getting passed up by Ohio State, right? And they're like, let's go. Let's go to Cincinnati and do something. Yep. I mean, it is hard to believe that Cincinnati is better than USC, UCLA. It's wild. It's wild. Oregon, Washington, since a freaking natty. Yeah. And I don't mean to knock their program because that's where the head coach from, from Notre Dame, you know, that was his stepping stone. Brian Kelly the way, was there before, yes. Hey, by the way, maybe maybe this, George, maybe we should start giving real consideration to, to Luke, Luke Fickle, Fickle 
the yeah. coach at Cincinnati and the relationship he has with USC athletic director Mike Bone, who came from Cincinnati. Boney. Maybe we maybe we should be thinking that Luke Fickle would be a phenomenal find for USC. Phenomenal than a big name. Phenomenal. Just be yeah. great. Your boy Boney. I bet you your boy Boney's talking to him regularly. You know. I will bet you that Boney's probably on the phone with him, going, "Don't worry about it, man. It's on. It's happening." Just have a great season. I, I mean, listen, going. I'm okay with that. I'm so okay I. with him being the guy. Yeah, so am I. I mean, to see what he's been able to do, and granted, the foundation was laid by Brian Kelly, Yeah. but to see what he's been able to continue at Cincinnati, I mean, Cincinnati way better than USC, as crazy as that sounds. Um, real quick on the Rams, we started talking about them. We kind of sprinkled them in, in between earlier as well. Um, but aberration, you know, after coming off a big win against Tampa Bay, or you see real problems? I see real problems. Now, again, I don't like, I don't like to overly exaggerate things, but my biggest problem is run defense. I mean, how yeah. can the Arizona Cardinals be backed up on their four-yard line on third and seven and get a 54-yard run through the middle of the, of the Rams' defensive line? Yeah. I'm very yeah. concerned about their run defense. Yeah, it's going to be something they're going to have to improve upon. Now, last year they also started slow defensively, so I am curious to see if that kind of unfolds here as well and they get better as time goes by. But Raheem Morris, uh, Sean McVay's uh, buddy and defensive coordinator, who's been a very good defensive coordinator in other stops, is going to have to figure this thing out sooner rather than later because they have looked a little sloppy at, at times on the defensive side of the ball. All right, we're done here. Excellent work as always, Kaplan. Uh, Sedano, phenomenal job today. Phenomenal. Uh, great job, Lindsay and Laura. Laura, welcome back. The Slee. Lakers talk is up next. Tomorrow we'll be talking about Kaplan perhaps eating his words with the Chargers. Talk to you mañana. See ya.